Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. Well, we are talking about winning the war in our mind, and we are not going to talk about this on Mother's Day. I promise you that. It'll be a different message. But we are talking about this series um, sporadically throughout the next few weeks, and what we're going to be doing today is talking about this particular topic in terms of what it looks like in taking back our minds. And I know what you're thinking, but when have I ever lost it? Well, I think there's an expression that goes, I'm losing my mind. Uh, you make me lose my mind. I feel like sometimes we lose sight of what it means to be in control. And we have that expression to help us to articulate what happens to us when we are no longer coherently making good decisions, where we are being led by our emotions instead. And what the Bible tells us about our emotions is that we cannot trust them. We cannot believe them. We cannot live by them. There has to be a higher standard by which we govern ourselves. And if we allow ourselves to be governed by our emotions, then we are going to be led astray. Now, what happens is that often we go in the direction of what we are thinking about. And whether we'd like to admit that or not, the more we dwell on something, think about something, are obsessed about something, we are going to see our lives go in that direction. That's why Romans chapter 12 is such an important verse because it says this in verse 2. Let's take a look. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Let's leave this up for a moment and we're going to break it down, beginning with the fact that the concern right off the bat here is the behavior and customs of this world that we may pattern ourselves after, the things that we may copy. And it's difficult for us to always swim against the current. If you've ever done that, you know how difficult it can be. I've gone whitewater rafting many times. When you go down with the river, it is incredibly fun. When you have to swim back up against it because you have overshot the pickup point, which has happened to me twice, then you know how difficult it is to get back against the current. And it is incredibly challenging to swim against a current that is coming at you full force on. When that happens, you realize that you aren't just swimming against the power that is coming towards you, you are fighting your own mind. You are fighting your own body. You're fighting the very impulse of just letting go and just letting the river take you. And you have to keep fighting against that. And you go into 
a true survival mindset where you realize that if you don't continue to go in the direction that is counter the current, then you will be undoubtedly swept away. Well, Paul understood this, and the Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, I don't want you to copy the customs of this world. I don't want you to fall into what the behaviors are. And it's not easy to always figure out what is right and good for us. And that's why the last part is so important because it says that if we will resist it, challenge it, go against it, not allow ourselves to just be overtaken by it, then we will have the ability to figure out what is good, pleasing, and perfect. But we can only do that if we do the second part, which is letting God transform us into a new person by changing the way that we think. So God has to change the way that I think. He has to do a work of transformation in my mind. It has to start there. And so the reality is that most of life's battles are going to be won or lost in our mind. That's why the transformation has to take place in our mind. Your life is always going to move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And so whatever is prevalent and powerful, whatever you believe is giving you purpose, you are going to go in the direction of that. And that's why Paul, once again, in instructing the Philippians, gives them another key passage. And this one is found in Philippians chapter 4 and then in verse 8. Let's take a look. And now, dear brothers and sisters, he says, one final thing. I want you to fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right and pure, lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, what he's saying is that you need to have a positive mindset. And it's going to be very easy for us to gravitate to the things that are just horrible, wrong, just distorted, disgusting, the things that are disruptive to our peace. And he says that if you want to have a life that is filled with peace, if you want God to be able to transform you, then you need to start doing this. You need to start dwelling on things that are true, that are honorable, that are right, that are pure, that are lovely, and that are admirable. When you do this, he says, then you are going to enter into what is now possible, which is an attitude where you are able to praise God. Unless you do this, that transformation isn't going to happen. Now, I want to put this quote up for you. It's, if you don't control what you think, then you'll never control what you do. And the reality is what Paul is saying is that you are never going to control what you think unless you control what it is that you do. And so we have the power to move in the direction of the change and the transformation that we seek. And if we go in that direction, what God does is when he sees us dwelling on the things that can transform our mind and change our attitude, 
that we can then begin to experience this life that he is promising us. Here are two more verses I want to share with you. And it talks about meditating in a way that we can understand. In Psalm 119, verse 15, it says, I will study your commandments and I'm going to reflect on your ways. There's a studying of the scriptures that apply directly to the problems that we're facing. There's God's truth that has been spoken over centuries to help us have a different perspective on what is happening. And, and whatever it is that we are facing, God has already spoken about it. And when he has said towards that, it's something that we are to meditate upon so we can change our own way of thinking. So we stop thinking what we're saying to ourselves and we start thinking the way that God is speaking to it instead. Not the way that I think about it, but the way that God thinks about it. Not the way that I believe it, but the way that God declares it. Not the way that I see it, but the way that he promises it. And so in Psalm 143, in verse 5, it then says, I remember the days of old. And he says, I ponder all your great works, and I think about what you have done. Now, one of the reasons why we're called River's Edge, because it makes no sense in NDG, we are nowhere near a river, is because when Joshua found himself before the Jordan River, he thought about what God had did for Moses. And when he found himself at the river's edge, he said, I know you've been faithful to Moses, and I know you can be faithful to me. In the same way that you parted the waters for Moses, you can part the waters for me. So Joshua stood in front of a river that he wanted God to part. And the only thing he had in his experience is what God had done in someone else's life. That when Moses led his people, God parted the water. And now that Joshua is in charge, he's saying, in the same way that you parted it for Moses, part it for me. Listen, there are times I am in traffic and I say, God, part this sea. <laughs> you did it for Moses. You did it for Joshua. Lord, do it for me. Please, you know how late I am. I need to see a series of green lights. Sometimes it's happened. Most of the time it hasn't. Because I should have left earlier. Because I should have been on time. There was no reason for me to be late. But there are times when it's urgent for us to be someplace. And that place is a place in our mind where we need the obstacle that is in front of us overtaken by something that is more powerful than anything that we've ever experienced or anything that we have ever lived. And the only thing we have to stand on is the faith of those who came before us. And what the scriptures do is that it gives us a place to properly meditate from. A place where we can be reminded of the great victories that God has given and how he can do it again, but this time in your life. And God is ready to show you that. And so when you look it up and you see the battles in which 
often the people of God had to go into, they were always outnumbered. They didn't have the weapons or the skill. And, and, and so often they were told to do the craziest things like put lanterns, torches in, in jars of clay and blow trumpets. And God would confuse the enemy and the enemy would turn on itself. They would actually kill each other before they even had to come down the hill. Over and over again, God showed them that if they would put their trust in him, that he would give them the victory. Listen, too often we are reliant on ourselves and what we know to give us victories. And we don't pray to God enough. We don't believe in God enough. We don't trust God enough for the victory. Because we just see ourselves outnumbered. We see ourselves surrounded. We don't see us surrounding the enemy with the army of God. His heavenly hosts that are there who have surrounded our enemy instead. We think of what is visible, not what is invisible. But which all along is visible to those who will dwell upon the victory that can be given. The Bible tells us that when we meditate, there is a series of steps that have to be taken. And sometimes when we think about meditation, we think of memorization. We think of it as something that we just have to commit to memory. And yes, there is some of that that is involved, but the step of writing it is really the one that we tend to skip over. We don't write out the verse that applies to our circumstance. And I would encourage you to not skip that step. Writing it out in your own hand, thinking it, confessing it, declaring it, until you believe it is what meditation is. In the way that the scriptures describe it, we must write it, think it, believe it. We have to do it that way. And God wants you to declare this over your life. When you do this, you are going to create those new neural pathways that are going to renew your mind with truth. And I need to identify what the strongholds in my life are. Sometimes in my life it's been debt or health. Sometimes it's been the job and what it brought. Sometimes it's been relationships or it's been addictions. It's been my sense of feeling far from God. Or for a time in which I lived uh, single, I thought I wouldn't find someone. I, I thought I would never get married. Maybe that wasn't going to be for me. And so when you live these challenges in your life, you are struggling to overcome what it is that is in front of you. You believe that this has the better of you, that it has control over you. Why? Because you have seen it control you. You have seen how it carries power over you. You have experienced the failure of being under that and living with that. You have lived this over and over and over again. But how have we applied 
God's victory to the problem that we have faced. And I'll be honest with you, there were many times where I thought it was enough to just say, God, help me. I believed it was enough to just say, but Lord, I believe in you. I thought it was enough that God should just bless me because I was his son. I just believed that the little that I brought, the little that I had, the little that I did should have been enough for God to bless it, multiply it, and deliver me from what it was that had control over me. And I was putting very little effort into it and expecting God to do the miracle of it. I was doing almost nothing about it, expecting God to do all the transformation about it. I was doing absolutely, on most days, nothing other than giving in instead of standing up against the current that was coming against me. And so I expected God to change me, transform me, deliver me, honor me, bless me, multiply his giftings in me, but I wasn't going to do much in helping that out. And so what God tells us is that we have to change our mindset towards this. Now, have you ever been in a place where you have desperately cried out? I mean desperately. I've had moments like that where I have desperately cried out to God. Times when I would not move from where I was until I felt that God had visited me. Until I felt like God had given me the assurance and the promise of his presence that I could get up from where I was, devastated and broken, and be able to take the next steps in my life. I was not going to move from where I was until I felt that peace, until I felt that assurance, until I felt that God was with me. And I kept asking God in those moments of my darkest moments that he would change the way that I saw things because I knew that if I stayed where I was, nothing was going to change. I would keep moving in the direction of my strongest thoughts. And the only place they were leading me was further into darkness. And I needed God to lead me out of the darkness and into the light. I needed him to show me how to make my way out. Now sometimes we have people in our lives who are really sad. Maybe we could say that they're depressed. Maybe we can say that there could be something clinically wrong with them, medically wrong with them. There is something that is wrong spiritually with them. There is something that we want them to break out of, but we can't help them. I don't know about you, but from when my kids were little, I would sneak into their rooms at night and I would pray over them while they slept. It's creepy, I know. But I would declare God's presence over their lives. I would speak his words and his truth over their little minds. And, and I would do this knowing that they were going through things. 
And when I would hear about it through my wife who would say they had a rough day or a rough time or a rough week, sometimes I would just stand outside their bedroom doors and I would pray over them. And then I would take the verses and the thoughts that I knew they needed to have and I would speak it over their lives. Because I knew that there were times when they would not be receptive. Times when they would not receive this. Times where they would not want to do it to the extent that I know they needed it. But you have to take the spiritual authority in your life just like you have to take it over the life of the people that God has entrusted you to do life with. Sometimes that's your kids, sometimes that's your spouse. Come on, there are so many words that we can speak over the person that we do life with. Shouldn't we be speaking words of power and purpose and promise? Shouldn't we be declaring light instead of making the situation worse by professing profanities? And declaring over their lives all the darkness and the brokenness that they already know they're struggling with? They already feel bad enough. The only thing that we have to offer is to criticize and judge and condemn and make it worse. Well, God is saying, no more. Don't do that. Declare the struggle to be real, but provide the power that I have given you so that this mind can also be changed, so that this heart can be transformed, so this life can no longer live in the darkness that it is in. If we can do this over ourselves, do not underestimate the power that you have in being able to proclaim this over the people that are already in your life. If they are in your life, you have a spiritual authority there. Can we say amen to that? Exercise that spiritual authority. God, you're with me. You are in me. You are powerful and great in me and through me. And what I believe, I declare over me. I declare over my children. I declare over my spouse. I declare it over my relationship. I declare it over my situation and circumstances. I declare it so that darkness does not win. I want you to understand that we're all struggling with God's will and it's something that we're trying to figure out. It's not always easy to get. It's not always get, gets easier to do it. But we have this encouragement in, in Philippians and in 4.8, if we can go back to that verse for a moment. And it tells us to think about the things that are excellent and then worthy of praise. And then if we go back to Romans 12, 2, it reminds us that you will learn to know God's will for you. And, and, and knowing God's will is about knowing what to worship. And the only way you know what to worship and the only way you get to know God's will is if you know his word. And so 
the meditation of his word, the writing it, the thinking it, the confessing it, and then the believing part, that is what brings about the will of God in your life. That's how you are not conforming to the patterns and behaviors of this world. Because God is changing your mind through his word. And, and, and you look at your mind and you look at the word that he has given you for your mind and you begin to realize, hey, I'm not going to follow this pattern. I'm not going to conform to this behavior. I'm going to live in a way that reveals that I am counter this current. Now, you're not always going to have to live counter to the current, but there are times when God's going to ask you to do it. And that's when the will of God tells you that this is what is good, pleasing, and perfect. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be pleasing to you. And it's going to be perfect for you. And you're going to go through this transition and sense of transformation in your life where it's going to be like that. It's going to be good, but then it's going to be pleasing and then it's going to come to the point where it's just perfect. Oh, I needed that one. Thank you. I needed that. Yeah. Good. Pleasing. And then perfect. And then I don't need to conform to the old patterns of my mind anymore. I don't need to conform to the old behaviors. I know what a good life looks like now. I know what a good mind thinks like now. I know what a good heart speaks like now. I know where a good person goes now and how it lives its life. And that pleases me so much more than the life I used to live, the brokenness I was in, the darkness that I had gotten so accustomed to, I thought I was actually living in the light when I was truly in the darkest place I've ever been in my life. Now I know this is perfect. And when it comes up, I'm reminded. And I'm not fooled by it anymore. I've been there. I've tasted that. I've lived that. I don't need that anymore. I know that God has something for me that is perfect. I'm going to choose that instead. Can we say amen? amen? And so God has something that is perfect for us. That's really wants to lead us, you know. But it's, it's a realization that we, that we are going to make ourselves. And I know that God is going to help us to do exactly that. And so... Whatever the problem is that you are dealing with, God has already provided a scriptural solution. And you need to write it. You need to think it. You need to confess it. And you need to believe it. Would you do that so that your mind can be changed? How are you feeling towards your debt? your health, your job, your relationships? How are you feeling towards your life, your future, your past, your present? How are you feeling towards what is missing, what is lacking, what feels empty, with what feels like it is gone? 
and see everything that God has in store for you that can change and transform that now and forever. In the same way that God parted the waters for Moses and Joshua, he will part the waters for you. Believe that. That's his promise. And so, Father, we come before you and we thank you for all that you have done and all that you are going to do, for what you have spoken to us about, encouraged us for, and the steps that we can take in experiencing your perfect way of living this life. I pray, Father, that you would release us and forgive us, deliver us from our brokenness and failures, and that you would build within us not only the desire to fight against the current, but to swim powerfully against it to the very place that you have destined for us to experience greater things. Lord, we will not allow our minds to just simply take us in the direction of our strongest thoughts that lead us away from that which is perfect for us. But we will allow our minds to be transformed by you so that they will lead us to our purpose and to the fulfillment of the life that you have promised us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.